Now that we're getting back on the road, the stops we make seem more special than before. Stop to see a friend. Stop at your favorite store. Stop at the places you missed most. And to keep you going between those stops, there's Shell. Stopping to fill up with our best fuel ever. Save with the Fuel Rewards Program. And to get snacks and essentials that can save you even more at the pump. That's just a few of the ways Shell helps you make the most of the stop you need to make. See full terms and conditions at FuelRewards.com. Fifi is transfixed by our interpretive dance. She loves a dance. Or she's heavily judging so us. Cute. There is a cat hair in my coffee. Oh, I'm so sorry. That's not your fault. It's Fifi's fault. Oh. Um, hello. Welcome to a bonus episode of Murder in the Land of Oz. Um, is that the way that it goes now? Murder in the Land of Oz. I think so. Cool. Well, how's it meant to go? I don't know. But we've sung it like that a couple of times now. Murder in the Land of Oz. Um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, so to make up for our technical difficulties last week, we thought we'd do a bonus episode. And by we, I mean I. I am the one that decided to do this and Ellen was not very happy when I told her. I was like, eight-minute pause. Sure. Sure. I was like, you want to do this episode as a bonus episode that we have decided to do in like two days? Yeah. You want to, this is the one? So. Sure. Um, backstory. Backstory. Ellen and I have competing theories on this case. And this case is the horrific murder of JonBenet Ramsey. We've had physical fights. We've gotten scrappy. We've pulled hair. Met- outside Metro Arts. We That's literally right. had a, we didn't fight. Physically, but we no, but we yelled, yelled at each other. Boy, did we make bystanders uncomfortable. I was very drunk. I had you like a were. bottle of rosé to myself. I really needed. Oh, help. that was the D and D night, wasn't yeah. it? Oh, yeah, it was. what an iconic Jess and Ellen night. Soon to be another iconic Jess and Ellen night this coming Saturday. Yes, which will yeah. have already happened by the time this episode comes out. Let's hope we are still friends because we have a successful podcast. Yes, well, we can have a good business relationship even if we don't speak personally. I don't like that. Uh-uh. No, no, we no, just no, become no. completely – we're like, hello, welcome to the episode of Murder in the Land of Oz. And then Our finally it'll be is- like case file or what's the other one that that lady wanted us to be like? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Murder Down Under or something? Or- oh, um, All Aussie Mystery Hour. That's right. Yeah, well, maybe it'll be like that finally instead of – We should stop becoming friends for the good of the podcast. <laughs> And then we can have a very business-like show with no jokes or banter. I would rather die. Um, okay. So this is going to be a Cliff's Notes of like the case. This is like, a, yeah, this is a thoughts, feelings, opinions. Yes. This with a wee bit of background. This isn't an in-depth thing because this case is huge. Yes. Like this happened in 96. So there's a lot of research. There's been a few documentaries. Um, have do you seen that Netflix one, the Jean Benet one, the casting of John Benet? That one, yeah, no, I really liked it. I really liked it because I thought it these, looked bad. Those people were so weird because they were obviously auditioning to play like Patsy Ramsey and Jean Benet, and I didn't everything. watch it, but I've always been very interested in the process, particularly on Forensic Files. Shout out to the best true crime show of all time of how they cast the reenactors. Yeah, because yeah. sometimes the reenactors look fucking. 
identical to the victims. And then like, sometimes, and it's then like, sometimes they're like a different race, and you're like, okay, <laughs> all right, go for it. Sounds great. Um, it's so funny looking at the because um, I'm in charge today of recording this so if it doesn't record then we know it was Jess's fault and like the level of my voice is so high and scratchy (laughs) I'm surprised you're all still listening I have my cup of coffee because I do have a show this evening we have bowls of coffee because we are very tired and water as well to hydrate myself because I do have to sing tonight did you guys know that Jess is a singer and actor fuck you Fuck you. I'm jaded and bitter and twisted that we discovered this morning. So like I'm jaded, bitter and disillusioned. Oh yes. Jess was like, I think I'm jaded. And I'm like, you're jaded, jaded bitter, bitter and, and disillusioned. disillusioned. And she was like, Wow, support from my best friend. And Thank then, you. Um I got a message today from somebody who was like, Oh, you've like you're you're not the the sparkly young eyed, ingenue the that young you used to ingenue, be ingenue and now I'm like a fuck it all Sally Fields sort of type which I thought was so it's very brand true it's very true of what 2019 has done to me uh, all right okay let's talk about this poor murdered child this poor thing okay so Jean-Benet Ramsey so she was born August 6 1990 in Atlanta Georgia she was the daughter of affluent parents Patsy and John Ramsey um and her she was six years old when she was murdered so um, she was named after her father, uh, John Bennett. Lol. This is some white fuckery. This is some Renner's May shit. <laughs> I'm not speaking ill of the dead because it's not her fault, but what kind of crack were her parents on calling her Jean Bennet? <laughs> like she's lucky Very that she tizzy. was like, oh, God, it's, it's just the worst. Anyway. Worst kind of tears, you know? It's just a very like, my daughter needs to have a unique name because she's unique. I'm going to call her Jean Benet after her dad. Like if she was like Kath and Kim, you know, like people would think that it was just Eponine, Darlene, Ray. <laughs> exactly. Eponine. Um, all right. So uh, she was named after her father, John Bennett, and her mother, Patricia. So she was Jean Benet, Patricia Ramsey. Uh, of, as I said, August 6, 1990 in Atlanta, Georgia. She was the youngest of two children. She had an older brother called Burke who was nine at the time of her murder. Uh, Jean Bonnet was an outgoing southern girl who enjoyed being the centre of attention. Same, Presh. Um, by age six, she had won multiple uh, – she was a beauty pageant star. Uh, she'd won many titles thanks to her bouncy blonde hair, poised smile and glittery costumes – uh, her father was a multi-millionaire businessman and her mother was also a formal beauty queen. Um, Miss West Virginia of 1977. What a time. What a time to be alive. What a time to be Miss West Virginia. <laughs> Virginia. Fucking hell. Um, they doted on their child in every way they could. Their, luxur- their luxurious home was plush with everything Jean Bonnet needed to live a comfortable life. So let's get down to business to not defeat the Huns. So, okay, mysterious death. You can say that again. So on the morning of December 26, 1996, Patsy Ramsey called the police after finding a three-page ransom note demanding $118,000 for her daughter's safe return. Where did my notes go? Filling for time. Filling for time. because of computer So, yeah. Note demanded $118,000 for Jean Bonnet's safe return, which was almost the exact amount, the bonus, her um, that Jean Bennett Ramsey 
had received earlier that year. Yeah, as his Christmas bonus or whatever, right? Yeah. The ransom note was uh, unusually long uh, and the FBI told police that it was very unusual for such a note to be written at a crime scene. The police believed that the note was staged because it did not have any fingerprints on it and included an unusual use of exclamation marks and acronyms. The note and a practice draft were written with a pen and a pad of paper from the Ramsey home. Fucking weird. Um, According to a Colorado Bureau investigation report, there are indications that the author of the ransom note is Patricia Ramsey. However, they could not definitively prove it. The only people to be known uh, in the house on the night of Jean Benet's death was her immediate family, her brother Burke, her mother Patsy and her father John. Uh, the note contains specific instructions that the police and friends at uh, police and friends should not be contacted, but Patsy telephoned the police at 5.52 AM. She also called family and friends. All right. <laughs> Two police officers responded to the 911 call and arrived at the Ramsey home within three minutes. They conducted a cursory search of the house, but did not find any sign of forced entry. Officer Rick French went to the basement and came to a door that was secured by a wooden latch. He paused for a moment in front of the door but made a critical error when he walked away without opening it. Unbeknownst to him, Jean Benet's body was on the other side of the door. Uh, John Ramsey made arrangements to play the ransom. A forensics team was dispatched to the house. The team initially believed that the child had been kidnapped and Jean Benet's bedroom was the only room in the house that was cordoned off to prevent contamination of evidence. No precautions were taken to prevent the contamination of evidence in the rest of the house. So literally people were storming this yeah, mansion. they had all of their friends come over and were like, Jean Benet's missing. She's missing. We better have 18 of our closest friends to help touching, us. Touching, touching everything weeping getting hair and shit all over the place (laughs) so um friends and family the friends and family's minister had arrived at the home to support the ramses victim advocates also arrived at the scene visitors picked up and cleaned services in the kitchen fucking hell possibly destroying evidence um boulder detective linda aunt arrived at about 8 p.m with the goal of awaiting the kidnappers instructions but there was never an attempt to claim the money so we're at 1 p.m. Uh, Detective Linda Arndt asked John and Fleet White. What a fucking name, Fleet. Americans. Jesus Christ. Oh, because of – that sounds patriotic, doesn't it? Like armies and like fleets and like Fucking the hell, they're tizzy as shit, aren't they? Um, to search the house to see if anything seemed amiss. God, just touch everything. Thing was, this was Christmas time, so – the, all the A-list cops were on vacation. They were they fucked off. So they had all these like, not that Linda, I'm sure Linda's great. Like <laughs> stunning. Not a personal attack, but also not necessarily who you want investigating your child's disappearance. Definitely not. Um, John and Fleet White uh, started their search in the basement. John finally opened the latch door that Officer French had failed to open and found his daughter's body in one of the rooms. Jean Benet's mouth was covered with duct tape. A, ni- a nylon cord was found around her wrists and neck and her torso was covered by a white blanket. Ramsey made a critical error when he immediately picked up the child's body and took it upstairs. When Jean Benet was moved, the crime scene was contaminated, obviously, and critical forensic evidence was disturbed for the returning forensics team. Each of the, Ra- the Ramseys provided handwriting, blood and hair samples to the police. John and Patsy participated in a preliminary interview for more than two hours and Burke was also interviewed within the first couple of weeks following Jean Benet's death. Ooh. All right, another sip of coffee. Um, the autopsy. 
Autopsy revealed the JonBenet had been killed by strangulation and a skull fracture. The official cause of death was asphyxia by strangulation associated with a craniocerebral trauma. Look at me saying big words. That's a good one. <laughs> craniocerebral. Yeah. Oh, God. There was no evidence of conventional rape. Oh, for fuck's sake, she was six. Um, although sexual assault could not be ruled out, uh, no semen was found. There was evidence that there had been a vaginal injury and at the time of the autopsy it, it appeared her vaginal area had been wiped clean with a cloth and her death was ruled a homicide. Oh, God. <sighs> Why did I pick this? I'm so sorry. <laughs> Ellen's like smile, not smiling as in she's – I'm smirking. She's smirking because she knows I'm an idiot. I was like, do what you want. I can't control you. So the garrote that had been made from a length of nylon cord and the broken handle of a – Is that how you pronounce it? Garrote? Garrote. Garrote, sorry. Garrote. Um, that had been made from the length of nylon cord and broken handle of a paintbrush was tied around Jean Bonnet's neck and apparently had been used to strangle her. Part of the bristle end of the paintbrush was found in a tub containing Patsy's art supplies, but at the bottom, but the bottom third of it was never found despite extensive searching of the house by police in subsequent days. Um, the autopsy also revealed a vegetable or fruit material which uh, may represent pineapple, which Jean Bonnet had eaten a few hours before her death. Photographs of the home taken on the day when Jean Bonnet's body was found show a bottle of pineapple, a bottle, a bowl of pineapple, and um, on the kitchen table with a spoon in it. However, both John and Patsy said they did not remember putting the bowl on the table or feeding pineapples to Jean Bonnet. Uh, police reported that they found Jean Bonnet's nine-year-old brother Burke Ramsey's fingerprints on the bowl. The Ramseys have always maintained that Burke slept through the entire episode until he was awakened several hours after the police had arrived. Um, okay. Experts, media commentators and the Ramseys have identified potential suspects in the case, Boulder Police, Boulder being where they were, uh, initially focused almost exclusively on John and Patsy, but by October 1997 had over 1,600 people in the index of persons of interest for the case. Um, errors that were made in the initial investigation complicated the resolution of the investigation and applicable theory. Those errors included loss and contamination of evidence, lack of experience and technical staff on the investigation, evidence shared with the Ramseys and delayed informal interviews with the parents. Lou Smith, who was a detective who came out of retirement in early 1997 to assist the district attorney's office with the case. In May 1998, he presented his findings to the Boulder Police with other staff members to the DA's office, concluding that the evidence pointed away from the Ramseys. However, they were unable to successfully challenge the police, de police department's steadfast belief that the Ramseys were guilty. The DA's office sought to take control of the investigation. Due to the animosity between police and the DA's office and the pressure to obtain a conviction, Colorado Governor Roy Romer interceded and named Michael Kane as special prosecutor to Michael Kane. Michael Kane um, as special prosecutor to initiate a grand jury. Two of the lead investigators in the case who had opposing views, Smith and Steve Thomas, resigned. Smith believed he uh, Smith because he believed that the investigation had incom incompetently overlooked the intruder hypothesis and Thomas because the DA's office had interfered with and failed to support the police investigation in the case. So a grand jury was convened beginning September 15, 1998 to consider indicting the Ramses for charges relating to the case. In 1999, the grand jury returned a true bill to change the Ramses with placing the child at 
risk in a way that led to her death and with obstructing an investigation of murder based on the probable cause standard applied in such grand jury proceedings. But Boulder County District Attorney Alex Hunter did not prosecute them because he did not believe he could meet the highest standard of proving guilt beyond a reasonable doubt, which is required for criminal conviction. Uh, Mary Lacey, the next Boulder County District Attorney, took over the investigation from the police on December 26, 2002, in April 20, in April 2003, she agreed with a federal court judge who sat on a 2002 uh, libel case that evidence in the suit is more consistent with the theory that an intruder murdered John Bonet than it was the theory that Mrs. Ramsey did. On February 2nd, 2009, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner announced that Stan Garnett, the new Boulder County District Attorney, was turning the case over to his agency and that his team would resume investigating it. Garnett found that the statute of limitations for the crimes identified in the 1999 Grand Jury True Bill had expired and did not pursue the review of the case against the Ramseys. In October 2010, the case was reopened. New interviews were conducted following a fresh inquiry by a committee that included state and federal investigators. Police were expected to use the latest DNA technology in their investigation. There was no informa- in new information gleaned from those interviews, according to ABC News. It was reported in September 2016 that the investigation into Jean Benet's death continues to be an active homicide case per... Uh, Boulder Police Chief Greg Tester. It's funny, the initial investigation into John Bonet's case, so that morning when all the police descended on the Boulder house, is how they teach, how they now teach the Boulder police not to do not things. Not to do things. Good. Because they trampled that fucking scene. I mean, look, at least it was a learning experience for us all. At the cost of this poor girl. All right. So there's two theories. Three theories. Three What's the third one? Intruder. Well, there's, I mean, there's the family or the intruder, but within the family you have John and Patsy and Burke. Burke. Right. <sighs> More coffee. More coffee. We, we need stimulants <laughs> we to get stimulants. us through this one. Okay, so there are two slash three theories about the death of Jean Benet. One is the intruder theory that was pursued by the Boulder, Boulder District Attorney's Office with whom the, Raz, uh, the Ramses developed a relationship. Although the police have, may have had the Ramseys under an umbrella of suspicion, they and the prosecutors followed leads for intruders, partly due to the unidentified boot mark left in the basement room where Jean Benet's body was found. Early suspects included Bill McReynolds, who played Santa Claus, uh, former family housekeeper Linda Hoffman Pugh, and a man named Michael Helgoth, who died in an apparent suicide shortly after Jean Benet's death. I was, never mind. No, what? I was just about to be like, Helgoth. Yeah, but he never mind. Don't make cool last name. Very sad about the circumstances of his life and death. Uh, hundreds of DNA tests were performed to find a match to the DNA recovered during her autopsy. Uh, Smith, the investigator that I brought up before, assessed that the evidence concluded that an intruder had committed the crime. Smith's theories theory was that someone broke into the Ramsey's home through a broken basement window. The intruder subdued John Bonet using a stun gun and took her down to the basement. That's right, because there were marks no on marks her neck. neck. Yeah, that's right. Uh, Jean Bonnet was killed and a ransom note was left. Smith's theory was supported by former FBI agent John E. Douglas. Mind Hunter. What a boss. 
um, who had been hired by the Ramsey family. Believing that the Ramseys were innocent, Smith resigned from the investigation on September 20th, 1988, no, 1998, five days after the grand jury convened against the Ramseys. While no longer an official investigator on the case, Smith continued to work on it until his death in 2010. Uh, I was about to use Zane's mouse, mouse on my computer. <laughs> Woof. Uh, Stephen Singular, author of the book Presumed Guilty, an investigation into the JonBenet Ramsey case, the media and the culture of pornography. That is a long bloody title. That's a lot to cover in one book. Jesus. Refers to consultations with cybercrime specialists who believe the JonBenet, due to her beauty pageant experience, could have attracted the attention of child pornographers and pedophiles. It was determined that there were more than 100 burglaries in the Ramsey's neighborhood in the months before JonBenet's murder. There were 38 registered sex offenders living within a two-mile or three-kilometer radius from the Ramsey home. In 2001, former Boulder County prosecutor Tripp DeMuth, 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 D-E-M-U-T-H, DeMuth. DeMuth? DeMuth. Tripp DeMuth. Trip. Trip. Like Trip from Gossip Girl. Yeah. Interesting. And Boulder County uh, Sheriff's Detective Steve Ainsworth stated that there should be a more aggressive investigation of the intruder theory. One of the individuals that Smith had identified as a suspect under his intruder theory was Gary Howard Oliva, who was arrested for two counts of attempted sexual exploitation of a child and one count of sexual exploitation of a child charges in 2016. According to Boulder's Daily Camera, Oliva, a registered sex offender, was identified as a suspect in an October 2002 episode of 48 Hours Investigates. The killing of Jean Benet, The Truth Uncovered, broadcast by A&E on September 5th, 2016, concluded that an unidentified male was responsible for Jean Benet's death due to DNA analysis. Dr. Lawrence Koblinski... We're having a wild day with names. Commented that the documentary showed that an intruder committed the sexual assault and murdered JonBenet. So, Ellen, you're of the intruder theory, aren't you? I would like to officially state my position as that I do not believe that there is enough evidence to convict any person of this crime. But I lean more towards the intruder theory than the family. Mm, Okay. All right. Okay, so I'm going to... We'll go quickly through the family member theory. So We can fight. <laughs> the second group of theories is that a family member was involved in Jean Benet's murder. Boulder police initially concentrated almost exclusively on Jean and Pat Jean. Jean. Jean and Patsy Ramsey. Jean Valjean. Jean Valjean. According to Greg McGarry, a retired uh, profiler with the Federal Bureau of Investigation, or the FBI as we like to call it. Wow, the FBI. That's incredible. Whoa, that's so good. <laughs> Statistically, it's a 12 to 1 probability that it's a family member or a caregiver who is involved in the death of a child. Jess is taking a pointed sip of coffee while looking in my direction. (laughs) From the police's perspective, they did not see evidence of a forced entry, saw evidence of a staging like the ransom note and did not find the Ramseys cooperative in helping them solve the death of their daughter. The Ramseys had stated that their reluctance was due to the fear that there would be a full, there would be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be, there would not be a full investigation for intruders and that they would be hastily selected as the key suspects in the case. One theory is that Patsy struck Jean Benet in a fit of rage after a bedwetting episode and then strangled her to cover up what happened after mistakenly thinking she was already dead. However, she did not have a known history of uncontrolled anger. 
Uh, Jean Benet's brother Burke later stated, "We didn't get spanked. Nothing of the sort. Nothing close. Nothing. Nothing near laying a finger on us. Let, let alone killing your child." Theoretically, the strangulation could have been a red herring aspect to conceal what actually happened. Burke, who was nine years old at the time of Jean Benet's death, was interviewed by investigators at least three times. The first two interviews did not raise any concerns about birth, Burke. Birth, sorry. A review by a child psychologist stated that it appeared that the Ramseys had healthy, caring family relationships. In 1998, Boulder Police Chief Mark Beckner said during an interview with news reporter, a news reporter that Burke Ramsey was not involved in the killing of his sister. In May 1999, the Boulder County District Attorney's Office reiterated that Burke Ramsey was not a suspect. The investigators had never considered him a suspect. A $100,000 reward was offered by the Ramseys in a newspaper ad on April 27th, 1997. Three days later, they submitted a several, uh, they submitted to several, oh, far out. They submitted to separate formal interviews for the first time at the Boulder County Justice Center. In 1999, Colorado Governor Bill Owens told the parents of JonBenet Ramsey to quit hiding behind their attorneys, quit hiding behind their PR firm. A Colorado grand jury had voted in 1999 to indict the parents. The indictment cited two counts each of child abuse and said the parents did unlawfully, knowingly, recklessly and feloniously permit a child to be unreasonably placed in a situation that posed a threat of injury to a child's life or health, which resulted in the death of Jean-Benet Ramsey, a child under the age of 16. Among the experts, and among the experts in the case were DNA specialist Barry Sheck and forensic ep- ep- expert Dr. Henry Lee. Wait, what? Why did you? Why did you do devil horns? Why did you do rock and I roll with Henry I Lee? I didn't do devil horns. Dr. Henry Lee, if you don't know him, has been involved in quite. Yeah, he was that guy who was bad at forensics, right? He was blood. No, no, no. That was the other guy in the. Uh, you mean the Michael Peterson case? Possibly. Yeah, no, that wasn't him. Okay. Um, that was another guy. He was consulted, but he wasn't the main blood spatter okay. expert. That okay. guy that literally just made shit up. Made shit up, yeah. Um, no, he worked on uh, the Woodchipper murder and he worked on OJ Simpson, Lacey Peterson, obviously Michael Peterson's, um, and post 9-11 forensic investigation. Um the DC sniper shootings and also reinvestigated the assassination of JFK. What a resume. I know. Quite. He currently resides in Connecticut where he lived with his wife, Margaret. Good for them. Until she passed away. That's oh, sad. sad. Oh, Dr. Lee. Okay. Um, meow, 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 meow. Um, October 13th, 1999, Alex Hunter, who was the district attorney at the time, refused to sign the indictment saying that the evidence was insufficient. This left the impression that the grand jury investigation had been inconclusive. In 2002, the statute of limitations on the charges expired. Uh, Okay, July 9th, 2008, the Boulder District Attorney's Office announced that as a result of the newly developed DNA sampling and testing techniques. Oh, Zane's asking, how are we going? Great, Zane. Going great. Thanks, Zane. Um, So police sought to interview Burke Ramsey and in September 2010, according to L. Lynn Wood, a high-profile libel defamation attorney whom the uh, who the Ramsey family had hired in 1999. In 2012, Foreign Faction, who really killed Jean Bidet, uh, by A. James Kohler, a former investigator under the Boulder County District Attorney, um, 
was published. This book discounts the intruder theory and proposes scenarios of Ramsey family involvement in Jean Benet's death. The case of Jean Benet Ramsey, a broadcast on CBS on September 18th and 19th, 2016, used a group of experts to evaluate the evidence and theorize that Burke hit his sister in the head with a heavy object, perhaps not intending to kill her. It suggested that the ransom letter was an attempt to cover up circumstances of Jean Benet's death. Wood, on behalf of Burke Ramsey, filed defamation lawsuits against SBS, the producer's program, and several um, of its participants based on its conclusion. And he won, didn't he? Yes. Burke won that Yeah, he did win. Too. He did win. I stayed authoritatively even though I actually don't know. Burke I'm pretty sure he won. Defamation. Yeah, $750 million. What? $750 million? Yeah. No way. $750 million? Brother settles $750 million lawsuit with SBS, um, CBS. SBS. SBS. Could you imagine? They do not have $750 not million. Michigan Circuit court judge on Wednesday dismissed the lawsuit filed by Burke Ramsey the terms of the settle oh no they probably didn't settle for that much but that was how much he was suing for bit bit much bit much come on Burke they only just accused you of murder Dolph yeah you've just been hounded your whole life for people accusing you of killing your six-year-old sister in a horrific sexual attack no big deal all right there was also a false confession um, I remember this happening. Do I do too. It was, yeah, 2006. So we would have been. Year eight. Yeah, that's right. Um, so John Mark Carr was a 41-year-old elementary school teacher who was arrested in Bangkok, Thailand on August 15th when he falsely confessed to murdering JonBenet. He claimed that he had drugged, sexually assaulted and accidentally killed her. According to CNN, authorities also said that they did not find any evidence linking Carr to the crime scene. He had provided only basic facts that were publicly known and failed to provide any convincing details. His claims that he had drugged Jean Benet was doubted because the autopsy indicated that no drugs were found in her body. <clears throat> DNA samples were taken from Carr and did not ma- match DNA found on Jean Benet's body. So, yeah, Ellen is of the intruder theory. I am of, look, I did think it was Burke for a while, mainly because his interviews creeped the shit out of me. I don't know Burke Ramsey. I don't know the ins and outs of this case. I'm just fascinated by it because I'm horrified that a six-year-old child is dead. Yeah. It's like terrifying to me. Yeah. This whole case like really freaked me out, especially the, it's, it's really easy to understand why people were sort of sweeped up, swept up, I should say, swept up into the the goriness of this case because of her background in American child pageants, which the majority of Australians are really fucking freaked out by. Yeah. No, like no, no judge, no judge. You do what you want. Like your life is your life, but the majority of people are a bit sus to the child pageant sort of thing. Cause it just feels a little icky. Yeah. And coming from a background of Irish dancing where that has become very pageanty. Mm-hmm. Like I can understand why people are uncomfortable by it because like kids wearing makeup and all dressed up and looking like they're about 36 yeah. is weird. It is weird. And being one of those children that has done not pageants, but Irish dancing where it has become really, really, really glitzy. Mm-hmm. I can totally understand it. And it, it is really uncomfortable. Um, I am of the theory that I look. I don't know if I believe that Burke did it anymore because of the more more of these cases that we've looked at over the last year, and knowing what it takes 
to kill someone. To kill someone. I believe it was an accident that happened, you know, whether it was Burke or Patsy or John, but I believe that an accident happened and these people were obviously devastated at the the realisation that she was dead and didn't want to deal with the shame of it and covered it up to make it look like. My issue with that is that if you take the like the injury sustained by the accident, which is obviously the head trauma, the head and trauma, then strangulation, yeah. So John Benet, John Benet is somehow hit on the head. Something happens. Whatever parent or family member was responsible for it. Mm. So their first instinct, rather than call an ambulance for the child that is still living because she was still breathing and alive when she sustained the head injury. Instead of calling an ambulance, they strangle her with a garrote from a snapped-off paintbrush and a nylon cord, bind her wrists, do some kind of damage to her neck, which leaves those train track-style marks, and sexually assault her. No, That just doesn't make sense. They never proved that that the sexual assault had happened that night because there was the theory that she had had an accident on her bike. But also weren't there – wasn't there paint found? Was there? There was some kind of paint or fibre from the paintbrush found either I think in her underwear or inside her. What? Yeah. I didn't know that. So I think that um, a a bunch of doctors, uh, paediatricians analysed the case and said that they couldn't definitively say whether or not the evidence of trauma came from one incident or if it was from repeated incidents of sexual abuse. I'm finding something about fibres in a paint tray. There was something, I'm sure there was something about. Yeah, I just, I look, the statistics of kids being murdered, as horrific as it is, they're more likely to be killed by someone that they know. But it's not impossible for them to be killed it's by not, somebody I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I'm just saying it is way more likely that she was killed by someone that she knew. But because somebody that she knew breaking, doesn't necessarily into the house and like going into her room, you're gonna fucking hear something. But an intruder doesn't necessarily mean that it's not somebody that it's an unknown person. It could have been somebody that knew her. The Ramses had a huge social circle. You know, John Bonet would have been exposed to so many people from pageants, from you know, work things with her dad, things like that. It wasn't necessarily some rando that came in off the street. No, but I no, I'm I'm saying like I don't think it's the intruder theory because they would have heard something. But their house was huge. They did a they did a test where somebody stood in the room that her body was found in and screamed, and somebody else was standing up in John and Were they that far Pat's, away from each other? It was a three story house with like thirty rooms. It was a huge mansion. But weren't Burke and um Jean Bonnet near each other? But I think if they're, if they're, a man comes in and puts his hand over her mouth. What are they going to hear? No, but they – I don't know. I don't – I just the can't – The letter, the, like the ransom this letter. Is, this, is a, this is a point of contention because you said that um, – people said that it was likely that Patsy Ramsey had written it. Yeah. But handwriting analysis couldn't conclude anything. So it is not conclusive that Patsy Ramsey wrote it. There are similarities with her writing but and the ransom who's note. who's going to take the time – when they've kidnapped or, you know, they, they, you, like if it was someone not – okay, so say it's the intruder theory, all right? Mm-hmm. You're not going to sit in a place where you've attempted – where you're either attempting to take a child. There's no way you're going to sit down and write a ransom note there. And it was done on that pad and paper. 
two like two drafts of it. Yeah, I'm, I'm aware of that. I think the <laughs> the thinking from the intruder did it side is that the person who committed the crime was somebody you know, in the vein of like the um, East Area Rapist or somebody like that who, you know, he possibly had broken into the house before or was familiar with the house, knew where things were, knew where rooms were. He'd entered the house while the Ramses were at the Christmas party and remained in the house. And he hid somewhere. And had time because, as I said, their, their house was huge and especially on that basement level there were like, you know, that hidden room, wine cellar, things like that. There are plenty of places that he could have hidden if he had known that the Ramses would be out that night, which was probably quite likely because it was like Christmas Eve and things like that, mm. if he was somebody that knew the family, he would know their movements, their whereabouts. He could have gotten off on the thrill of invading their space or being in John Bonet's room. And he could have been like, well, you know, I'm going to commit this crime tonight and I want to lay a false trail or I want to, you know, get a little bit of that thrill. And so he wrote the ransom note. That, yeah, that's a good theory. I think it's more likely than – well, I think it is a possibility. I don't – even though there are lots of things in the ransom note that are very strange, like the length of it and the fact that a lot of it is like movie quotes and stuff like that. Like um, the – I think it was the FBI that said that it was like, you know, if – and this is an if, if it was, you know, an intruder or, you know, a legit ransom note, it was somebody who had never written one before. Mm. Um it obviously wasn't a small foreign faction. Like that's not even a possible theory. Um, but I just can't imagine – I just can't get on board with the logic that John and Patsy, upon, you know, coming across their injured child or something like that, would go to that amount of staging. Right, like, you know, imagine being the parent. Okay, I'll go garrot our six-year-old child who we are obsessed with and you go write the ransom note. Then we'll go to bed – and then wake up the next morning and be like, oh, where's Jean Benet? And call the police. Also, the CBS, like, two-parter that they did mm-hmm. when they analysed that initial 911 call, you can hear Burke in the background. But other people have analysed that and said that you can't hear it. This is the thing with this case is that a lot of the evidence is so up to interpretation. It's your interpretation whether you think it's Patsy's handwriting or not. It's up to interpretation whether or not you think the DNA that was found was touch DNA from the factory or if it was from an actual person that committed the crime. You know, they aren't – they're not yes or no questions. Surprisingly, we don't know the answer to this case. Yeah, oh, my God, we cannot crack it. My, As I said before, my issue is not necessarily that, yeah, I believe an intruder definitely did it. Definitely. Definitely. Um, my issue is is that there is no way for this case to be solved and really we should all just shut up about it because of the way the evidence was handled by the Boulder police when they first investigated. Yeah, it's not good. Not good. There are too many things that can, you know, as I said, be up to interpretation. There are too many things that can be twisted to fit any narrative. The thing with solving cases is that you can't twist clues to fit your story. You know, the clues have to lead you down to an answer. So when people say like, oh, she was fed pineapple, but her fingerprints weren't found on the bowl, that means that Burke must have fed her or blah, 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 blah. You know, that is not what that evidence demonstrates. That is a story that you can create to get to the answer you want. And things like, you know, the the very common, not it's not so much anymore. It used to be Patsy who was considered to be the most likely culprit. And it was, um, as you, I think, as you said, like as a reaction to, John Binet wetting the bed that Patsy lost her 
Yeah, that mind. seems a bit far-fetched. Super far-fetched. Like, you know, there is no evidence of her. So I, I was reading last night when I was brushing up a bit on the case that Patsy had taken Jean Monnet to the doctor something like nine times a year for her problems with bedwetting and she got frequent UTIs and things like that. I don't understand how a parent who is concerned enough about her child to, to take, take her to, to the, the doctor, doctor that many times also is so enraged by it that one act of bedwetting, she's six. Mm. You know, it's not that weird. But that is an example of something like that. That keeps on getting repeated that, you know, I still read that to the to this day on Reddit and forums and stuff like that. Like, oh, Patsy was angry at her wetting the bed. There's no evidence to support that theory at all. It's speculation. And it's not supported by evidence, you know, and things like Burke as well, you know, when the tide, because it was Patsy, the bedwetting, then it was John covering up apparent sexual abuse. Um, again, no evidence of that. Her pediatrician, um, her pediatrician said that she hadn't, she didn't show any signs of sustained sexual abuse. Um, but then again, that person could have said that to cover up his own tracks because if she had been sexually abused for a long time and the pediatrician didn't pick it up, well, then that's negligent on their part. Um, but that was the story for a while. Now the story's gone to Burke. Oh, well, Burke was jealous of John Bonet or, you know, Burke was a, Burke was the one who was abusing John Bonet or something like that. I, but that has all come from people after the fact being like, Burke's weird. Yeah. You know what? Lots of people are weird. <laughs> you know what would probably make you be a pretty weird adult if you're – Child's child sister, sister was, was murdered yeah. and people have blamed you for it your whole adult life. Yeah, that would probably make, make you, you be a little weird. bit weird. Yeah. I think also the, the Burke theory comes from that incident that had happened the year before where he struck her with a golf club. Jess, you don't have siblings. I once hit my brother over the head with a curtain rod. What? Why? Because he was my brother <laughs> and we physically fought all the time. Yeah. I have two brothers and the amount of injuries that I have sustained or I have – given to them my one of my brothers once pushed me out of a moving golf cart I could have died that's just what siblings do my cousin pushed me off a slide onto concrete once I had a concussion see kids do shit all the time I just don't think you know if Burke hit her on the head or something like that I mean I fully 1000% don't believe it's possible that he garroted her or anything like no, that no no I don't believe that the parents would have covered it up she was still alive she was still she would have been visibly alive when she hit her head. She would have still been breathing. She still would have had a pulse. I just do not think as a parent, when something terrible happens to your child, you know, there was no indication previously that the Ramses had done anything bad to Burke and John Bonet. I just do not think that it is logical for your first instinct as a parent with no prior history of abuse or anything like that to be like, our child is injured. Better stage a kidnapping and homicide. I think also, look, you might have turned me around on my thoughts on this, but it, I think it's also... God, it's been years of us arguing this. I think it's also the better story for people because um, like, people don't want to think that there's randoms walking around streets that are going to break into houses yeah. and randomly kill, six, kill six-year-olds. It's easier for us to comprehend. Rationalise. Yeah, yeah, it's easier to rationalise. Oh, it was someone that she knew. Oh, it had been happening for years. Oh, all this other stuff has yeah. happened. And it's also because it's like rich white family, cute white kid with blonde hair and curls, you mm -hmm. know. That's the thing. It's that's a zesty the, Hollywood story. That's the thing. It is – if this was uh, – if, uh, yeah. if Jean Bonnet was a, a – person of colour, 
they wouldn't have or a poor white or person a poor, or poor or wasn't in the beauty pageant circuit exactly wasn't in america yeah it would probably not be the mystery that it is today but no. because it's rich white folk that's why and it a seems lot of it really been, weird and there's glitter involved and yeah, exactly. money it's very very fascinating um one bit of evidence that i also think leads towards not the family mm. is the fact that um they didn't find any duct tape in their house matching the duct tape that was on jean benet and they didn't find the missing third of the paintbrush so so the person took it with them yes so nobody saw the ramses or anything leave the house or go anywhere or anybody come into the house or anything like that the night of. Yeah. I don't know. I still – look, I'm under the impression that it was probably someone that she knew, someone who had exposure to mm-hmm. – it might not have – I don't. I, that's the thing. We're never going to know, We're unfortunately. Know. And it's heartbreaking to me that a six-year-old child lost her life and all these people, including myself, have been grossly fascinated by this. And you're right. We should just stop talking about it. Because it's sensationalizing something that should not be sensational sensationalized, like children getting murdered, because mm. that's fucked. But it's so easy to get fascinated by yeah. something like this because it is so far fetched from any grasp of reality that I have about my life as a child mm-hmm. and probably your life as a mm-hmm. child as well. And yeah. I think that, you know, even though I made a joke about a name before, I think that, you know, we very much on this show and in our daily lives care about victims mm. and we are both guilty of this as well. But, you know, acting like it is some fun puzzle for us all to solve, yeah, some like crowdfunded, you know, let's all go find the buried treasure. Like it's not. And one of the big issues about this case, which you will know if you've spent any time researching it is just the misinformation, the things that are repeated as fact that aren't like, for example, the um, amount of the bonus, so it's said so many times that, you know, it was $118,000 was the exact number of his bonus. It was close to. His bonus, the money that he was given for the his bonus was actually like $120,000 and it only came to 118 after taxes. So like that is like one of the most repeated facts of this case and it's not true, mm. you know. There are so many things that aren't true that just get repeated like – you know, it's fact and no person on the internet and no person like us running a podcast can actually know the real facts of the case. And the thing that I didn't know before going back and looking at this uh, was about um, Douglas, Mr. Mindhunter, actually agreeing with the intruder theory. I didn't know that. It was The Cases That Haunt Us, I think was the book. Oh, really? It's in the book. It's in the book. Cases That Haunt Us. Okay. Yeah, Um, yeah, quite a few – but he was also – oh, no, that was James Collar. I was about to say, but he's employed by the family. Mm. Um, but it was that other guy. Um, yeah, no, I think the thing is is that the story that you have to create, as I said before, to fit the family into the picture is just insane. It is kind of easier in a way to be like, well, some wackadoo did it. Some random wacky guy who was insane came in and stayed in the house and wrote the note and did all this weird shit because it's hard to rationalise that to – apparently loving parents would do it. It is kind of the easier solution to be like, it was some random pedophile mm. because then you don't have to contort what you know about people to fit a theory. You can just be like, well, I guess he was crazy. Well, I guess he liked ransom notes. Well, I guess he wanted to strangle her or something like that. Yeah. You know, you kind of have that safety of the unknown to be like, well, maybe this happened. Um, yeah. I don't know who did it. Well, I 
don't think this case can ever be solved. No. I think that initial morning they fucked it. They fucked it. They really they shut fucked the bed. it. Like trampling that scene. Mm-hmm. Like just on the base level of not even knowing that she was murdered, but that is the place that she was taken from. Mm-hmm. Don't. Don't let people in. Don't let people in. Don't let people in. Oh, also, I just wanted to say that I don't think it's suspicious that the Ramses lawyered up pretty quickly. I think that is what you should do. Well, yeah, and that's um, that's actually something I've wanted to bring up before. Like, if you are accused of something, there is Get no lawyer, shame in getting a lawyer away. straight away because getting a lawyer just means that your civil rights aren't going to be violated. Yeah, you know, it's having somebody there to protect you and because, make sure that everything occurs above board. And that's just like no matter how much Law and Order is for you, I've watched, like, I don't know shit about anything. No. So it's like if something ever happened, I would immediately seek counsel because... Yeah. Don't talk to the police, get a lawyer straight away. And Because, you know, I hate to, you know, we are very pro-police on this yes. podcast, but they're... We're pro-good police. Pro-good police, not pro-bad police. police. And there is a lot of evidence um, in a lot of the cases that we've looked at and a lot of cases in general where you know, cops have done things not, you know, probably not out of a bad place but just trying to solve this thing that's in front of them. I mean, police are people. They're not always going to be – they're not infallible. They're going to make mistakes. And big mistakes were made in this investigation and therefore I just don't think that it will ever be solved. And I also, you know, everybody online, shut up. You're not going to solve it. No, yeah. (laughs) Let her be. You know? Yeah, let her rest. The poor I think especially thing. after the 20th anniversary when there was just special after special after special. Yes, it's interesting, but also like so cool that you're getting all this advertising money from like literally talking shit about a dead girl. Mm. You know? A lot of it wasn't respectful. A lot of it is very sensationalized. Because yeah. um, like it can get to a point when you've – and like I, I'm guilty of this as well, like being – fascinated by this case just forgetting that she was six yeah like think of children that you know at six yeah and just be like oh I should stop treating this like a circus act it's like yeah yeah it's dehumanizing a dead child and just treating her as like a footnote in her own story you know no she mattered she was loved and she was cared for and it's very sad that she's this case has had so much exposure and indeed overexposure that you can't really have the same argument of like, oh, we're keeping their memory alive. She'll never be forgotten. You know, there's no way that John Bonet will ever be forgotten. And, you know, it's just about being being appropriate. And, you know, we like a joke. We oh, like to joke we around love a joke, and things like that. Not but at the expense of a dead, dead six-year-old. Yeah. No, thank you. Okay. Well, that took a turn, didn't it? I feel a bit depressed. <laughs> Me too. Um, I'm still glad we talked about it because I do think we – I think uh, the people that I've in my life that aren't true crime people, when I talk about this like is the, the case work, that people know about. Yeah, when I talk about the work that I do, they o- often bring this case up or other ones, and just you know, oh well, your fave must be Jean Benet. I don't like we don't like the term favorite, favorite. cases. No, um, and yes, to an extent. I am fascinated by this sort of stuff, but especially since doing this podcast, it has made me very much aware that this is about people getting killed, which is the most horrifying thing that can happen to a person Mm -hmm. and can happen to the people that you love. This is a very real problem 
that happens every day. Mm -hmm. And the sick thing is about doing something like this is that we're probably not going to run out of cases. Never. Because this is going to keep on happening. Um, So just want to point out we are very uh, victim first. Yeah. We do not – since we are not of the standpoint that we sensationalise murderers because they do not need to be sensationalised. They are cowards. They are sick people who need help. Um, who need to be put in prison for what they have done because gross. Um, yeah. So we finally did it. Yeah. Jean Benet, we've been threatening it since we started the podcast and we did it. And we did it and you won. And victory tastes so sweet. Does it? Or does it taste extremely depressing? No, it does taste – it is extremely depressing, but I'm glad we got to talk about it and we were very rational. Yeah. Um, I think I was still rational. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the thing is, is that, you know, I, I don't have skin in the game. No, you know, I definitely don't. And yeah, thanks for listening. Thanks Sorry for about the technical difficulties. Hopefully, this makes no, up for it. it. Look, technical difficulties are going to happen, and that's fine. Uh, so next week you will be hearing from me. Yes, yes, uh, Ivan John Jones or the pacemaker murder. Pacemaker. Thank you, forensic file. Shout out to Forensic Files, the world's Ooh. best show. There is a lot of there is a lot of siren activity. Because what I didn't know is that there's a fi- that's a firehouse just there. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, well, thanks guys for listening. Make sure you're subscribed. Please rate and review. Find us on Facebook at Murder in the Land of Oz, and find us on Instagram at Murder in the Land of Oz. If you have any cases, especially for our South Australian season that's coming up, please send us an email at Murder in the Land of Oz at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for joining us. Goodbye. Bye. you've watched all the things find even more to love with xfinity x1 the ultimate entertainment experience catch live sports they're back along with more scores and more with the xfinity sports zone the best sports entertainment experience plus find all your streaming apps and more in one place with the award-winning voice remote x1 makes entertainment simple easy awesome to learn more go online call 1-800-XFINITY or visit a store today restrictions apply not available in all areas the Home Depot introduces new James Hardy Hardy Backer Cement Board with Hydro Defense Technology. 100% waterproof, it's the ultimate barrier to moisture. Now you can skip the steps of waterproofing the entire board, just the joints and fasteners, and you're done. If you're a pro with a bathroom to tile and no time to waste, we've got your backer. New Hardy Backer with Hydro Defense Technology. In store, online, now at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Passes ANSI A118.10 waterproof test.